Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Amanda Duberman. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about the vote for witnesses. The Iowa caucus. And a little lady named Taylor Swift. Let's get into it. Betches Media presents. Like beer, I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me the betches sup podcast how dare you i can't believe it's caucus night i can't believe it's caucus night ah. i can't believe it's caucus night especially because then tomorrow's the state of the union wednesday's the impeachment vote friday's another debate but primarily mm-hmm. and it's then caucus next night. week yeah, oh, it's yeah. new hampshire right so it's like i can't even look that far it's it's actually so crazy yeah the next podcast the thursday podcast is right. going to be 17 hours long for sure it's, absolutely it's gonna be so crazy yeah don't I, miss it <laughs> the newsletter i don't even know what i'm gonna do i know sign up at bedges.co slash up sign up and you find must. out how i sort through all right. this crazy yeah news. today on the instagram i was like if you have been ever even entertained the idea <laughs> of signing up for our newsletter i strongly suggest you do it this today. is the week yes this yes. is the week right yes um speaking of this week. Amanda, what has been getting you through this truly packed week in Trump's America? Well, this week, it's actually a Trump tweet getting me through the week. Wow. I know, believe it or not. So last night was the Super Bowl. Have you heard of this athletic event that takes place? I have place? heard of it. Yes. Did I you have, watch it? Um, you know what? I watched it. It was actually my most low-key Super Bowl ever. My mm-hmm. fiance just like had it on in the house yeah. and I engaged as I pleased right. with it. Uh, usually I go to a party, which I realized is kind of like if you like if my boyfriend watched the only the last episode of The Bachelor every year and also like doesn't speak English and like right. doesn't know <laughs> How the game's played at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I always watch the Super Bowl. I don't understand football. No. I have no idea how it's played. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, but that's the thing about, like, if you really want to go to the, uh, watch the Super Bowl, it seems like going to a Super Bowl party is not the best way because I was talking the whole time. Nobody could hear what they. I get excited to go to Super Bowl parties because I can eat and talk, not to. I um, I deduced that it was a good game. Yeah. Okay. It was like a, a genuine back and forth, right. a, a fun game to watch. I liked. J-Lo and Shakira. Oh, yes. As well. Epic. Very J-Lo good. and Shakira was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, After the game, so Trump tweeted yes. in support of, of the victor, the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's what he tweeted. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on a great game and a fantastic comeback under immense pressure. You represented the great state of Kansas and, in fact, the entire USA. So very well. Our country is proud of you. So what's the problem with this tweet? Uh-oh. It's complicated. But Kansas City... The Kansas City Chiefs do not really, they're not really considered a Kansas sports team, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. I've spent the morning talking to Dylan, who is from Missouri, getting some clarification on this. Kansas City does actually straddle Kansas and Missouri. I think they're separate municipalities because they have to be because they're in different states. But like Kansas City refers to like the greater Kansas City metropolitan area, which happens to be in two states. But from what I understand, this is a Missouri team. Okay. The stadium they play in is in Missouri. 
that's that's the deal. I'm so sorry yes. if you're from Kansas and you think this is your team. <laughs> you're right. That's your choice. The reaction to this has been that like this. We're was, not taking a stand on right, that. On the sub, oh we're not taking a stand on that. <laughs> we're not going to go to like states' borders on, exactly. on this. Not yet. Maybe this time next year we will be. But yeah, once once we have a new president yeah. and right. the, a progressive agenda is being put into place, now we're going to get deep into the weeds about right. like which sports team belongs to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a fun and interesting time. Yeah. Yes. We don't have Trump to talk about. Um, so he immediately, I, you know, this is incorrect. The, the most clear sign to me that this was wrong is that he deleted it and replaced it uh, to, to say that the that he represented the great state of Missouri well. But this is especially rich to me, given what happened last week with Mike Pompeo, when Mike Pompeo interviewed a veteran or was interviewed by a veteran journalist and then cursed at her afterwards and asked her to identify Ukraine on a map, on a blank map. <laughs> Um, and then Trump. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I can. Right. I've actually been covering Ukraine for, I'm like the the Ukraine chief of wherever. <laughs> it's like, then, I actually can find Ukraine on a map. Can anyone in this White House, a single person? No, absolutely not. And then and then Trump, remember Monday, he was like, he did a good job on her. Like, way to, way to get her with, yeah. the, with the map. And yeah. this man can't. Which is so funny because the number one thing I would love for someone to ask Trump is to identify anywhere on a map. Oh, completely. There's Any a, single location on a map. There's a thread. Open by, a map. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is a map? I yeah, just, like, give him a picture of like an elephant and a map and ask him which one's like, a map. Which one is a map? <laughs> he'd be like, well, that one's a map of an elephant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he deleted the tweet. Very, very silly. In the president's defense, I will say that that's confusing. Right. He's supposed to know it because For he's sure. the president. Right. But it is confusing. Right. And also, I think George Conway, who is uh, Kellyanne Conway's very antagonistic mm-hmm. husband, <laughs> tweeted a thread of like all of the times that he has, has messed things up. Like he referred to Belgium as a city and then apparently once called <laughs> Nepal nipple. <laughs> That's very funny. That's what very was funny. the country that he made up? He talked oh, about God. a country that he made up. He definitely made was, up a country. It was like a, it was a combination. It was a portmanteau. It was right. Namibia. Oh, Nambia. it was. That's what it was. Nambia. Nambia. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was the country that he made up. Right. Nambia. <laughs> yeah. And then also he drew that Sharpie on that other map. So he's got problems directionally. Yeah. Don't get, don't let this guy near a map. No. Yeah. No. Also getting me through is very excitingly. We memed Demi Lovato last night on this app <laughs> and she shared it. Which was thrilling. We loved Emmy. We could not love her more. That new song, Anyone, oh, it's that's got me. Yeah, I've been listening she to it a lot. So well, it was she amazing. She did so good. Oh, cannot get enough of her. And oh. she was sort of promoting. I think she's working with some, some organizations for just ch- change, change what's going <laughs> on for the better. We need a change. <laughs> yeah. I agree. So that was very exciting. I love um, that. And then. I shared her share saying like, oh, my God, can you believe this? And then she shared that saying, can you guys believe that Betches Up memed me? So it was an embarrassment of riches. So now we're just like we're creating sort of like a vortex of yes, shares with right. Demi Lovato. My, I mean, I love yeah, that. My best friend worked on um, the ad last night for Microsoft Surface where it was about Katie Sowers, who's the mm-hmm. first uh, female, I think, coach in the NFL. Maybe not. She's definitely the oh, first yes, to make yes, it to yes. the Super she Bowl. She made it to the Super Bowl. She's yeah. also gay. Yeah, so it was first like openly a huge gay. Yeah. Thing. And she was like waiting. I was like really excited about this Debbie thing. I was trying not to like freak out because I was like, it's Ellie's night. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> and she was so nervous because they hadn't played it yet. And I stupidly was like, well, it will be great because then when they play it, the 49ers will be about to win. And that was like fifth with 15 minutes left in the game. And that's not what happened. Oopsie. So sorry. You know what other thing I learned about sports last night? Tell me. The 49ers, um, their quarterback, very handsome. Very handsome. Very handsome. Yeah. So that's a new thing that I learned about sports. That was remarked upon. <laughs> yeah. 
like I felt bad because my fiance pointed him out. Like my fiance pointed him out and was like, That's good "That looking. guy's really handsome." Like, have and have you seen him? And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And then I'm in front of my fiance googling him. I googled yeah. like I was like, "Wife, girlfriend." <laughs> um, he actually <sighs> dated a he dated a porn star and then an Instagram influencer. But other than that, I couldn't find yeah, any more same information. thing no i'm just kidding <laughs> no they're different, <laughs> they're different. of and course both they are. are lovely yeah yeah anyway. no totally <laughs> my, we were all like standing him during the game too and my boyfriend was just glad i'd stop talking about how hot Aaron hernandez yeah. is. yeah so yeah that's also true yeah hey american fever dream listeners i'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift now you can use gift mode on etsy Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Elise, what's <laughs> yes. getting you through the week? <sighs> what's getting me through this week in Trump's America is Taylor <sighs> Swift's new documentary out on Netflix, Miss Americana, I had an emotional journey. Did you? Watching this documentary. Tell me about your background with Taylor Swift okay. and your general... Because I feel like very few people are neutral on Taylor yes. Swift. So my background on Taylor Swift is that I have always been a fan of the discography. Okay. Huge fan. To the point where like I kind of realized that she might be my favorite artist. <laughs> like, I realized this recently because I did my friend's podcast where we were funny? talking about yeah. music. And I was like... I the. The only artist I can think of that I know, like, their discography and this much information about them is Taylor Swift. So mm -hmm. it's this weird thing where, like, in many ways I checked the boxes of a stan. Yeah. But I also have been very critical of her in the past. I have definitely written not nice things about her on Betches before. <laughs> the too bad they didn't make it into the documentary. Oh, my God. I would have died. <laughs> I would have absolutely. You could have apologized like Nikki Glaser and then gotten a response. That's. That is true, so, or but I cannot, I Not cannot take the Swifty heat. I can't do oh, that. Oh, that's true. No, it's like, bad. <laughs> that would break me. Yeah. I am not strong enough to have the Taylor Swift army coming after me in that way. Uh, so if anyone is here because they are mad about something I wrote about Taylor Swift years ago, this is my apology. I genuinely did um, go through like a lot watching it because she talks a lot about that period of time sort of right after... Um, 1989, which is one of my favorite albums of yeah. all time. Amazing album. When she went on that tour, it was a tour where she like went, she had like all the model friends and mm -hmm. it was like, it was this big triumphant moment for her. But then I think the swing, yeah. the backlash was huge after that. 
Uh, and that's sort of when like the Kanye West stuff came back up yeah. again and Kim Kardashian shared that video of her. And I firmly during that time was in the like Taylor Swift is annoying camp. I like I was like, oh, haha, she's a snake. Da da da. I wasn't even the thing is, it wasn't even stuff that was deeply felt by me really in any way. I was just kind of engaging in the online schadenfreude of like right. taking a famous person down and watching the documentary really made me examine my personal need to do that and like why it was so easy for me to do that with someone whose work I've actually objectively mm -hmm. really enjoyed and has actually helped me through difficult breakups and times in my life. Like why I was so like sort of frivolously like be like, oh, well now this person sucks and I don't care, right. but I'm still going to listen to her music, but also I'm going to make fun of her and like, Da -da. I, like ever since I watched the documentary, I've had gone on such a journey wow. with my own like yeah. feelings about Taylor Swift and feeling really bad about certain things I've said about her. Not not even to say that she's perfect, but just that like, number one, why is it always women that get this backlash and get torn down when you do have people like Kanye West who act insane and do crazy things all the time and like literally publicly attacked a 17 year old girl that yeah. 17 year old girl being Taylor Swift and they're kind of allowed to be like imperfect and messy and sometimes annoying and weird I mean like look at Joaquin Phoenix's Oscar campaign <laughs> right, right yeah. now like every day he gives like a drunken speech <laughs> where he's like screaming and about, nobody's like Joaquin Phoenix like, is over party right it's like genius amazing right. <laughs> genius and like I just real it made me really think about the way that women especially famous women have to be perfect, but also not so perfect that yeah. they're annoyingly perfect because look at what happened to Anne Hathaway. Mm -hmm. Anne Hathaway is like doing great and then everyone's like, she's fake, she's yep. annoying. So it's like, you have to be perfect, but then in the pursuit of being perfect, you get called fake. It goes back to Hillary Clinton. Totally. Like it's so many things. I know. And now I feel like women that enter the public eye are very aware of that and like worry about being overexposed. Yes. Like I think about all the time, I'm like, can we please never turn on Lizzo? Please. Yes. I, what's going to happen? It scares me. I feel, I feel like um, even like, I, I, like right around the thank you next time, I think Ariana uh. Grande this is obviously just a theory, but I think she made a calculated move to step back for a second mm -hmm. because yeah. otherwise I felt like it was going to swing back on her Definitely. as well. And I, fe I feel like I see that all the time with like famous women. And it also, I feel like there's a particular thing around women who have like sort of that voice of a generation vibe or like women who other women are inspired by. Yeah. It's like society works really hard to take those people away from us. And like right. Taylor Swift has been a voice for better or for worse of young women. And she's she takes young female heartbreak and emotions seriously and has been a role model. To she young kind women. of like little women. Yes. Music in a way, <laughs> yes. Like women exactly. have obviously no, been saying about get, their feelings for a long time. Um, no, but I like, get the, I get what you mean exactly. It's like she was like, no, actually, like young girls' lives are important, and like our stories are important. And even though you think they're dumb because it's just about like falling in love with a guy yeah. who's on the football team, these things are deeply felt by us. Mm -hmm. And then there's this mm -hmm. constant kind of move in society to like take them down, remove those people, make them annoying or embarrassing or a guilty pleasure, so that you can't like openly associate with when Taylor Swift. When we're the ones that prop them up, like people become overexposed because there becomes such an appetite for them yeah. that they're everywhere and their their presence is requested everywhere. And then we're like, well, now we're, we're sick of them. We don't want to see exactly. you Exactly. Yeah. It's like you got too big for your britches. So yeah. I highly recommend it's this great. documentary. I was 
definitely shocked by the political stuff, like the extent of it. Yes. I, I have also been ambivalent about her. I've understood mm-hmm. when she has seemed annoying. I've agreed and been like, yeah, that's annoying. But like, I don't hate her. Yeah. I know people really d- dislike her and can be like vehement about it. Yeah. I never really was in that camp, but I understood the instinct. Um, the thing that probably roiled me the most was like because she started out in country music and never really remarked on anything political or activisty. That there was this theory that she was like a closet Republican. Yes, which I believe. I believe. <coughs> I don't think I believe that she was a Republican, but I think I believed that she she was being kind of a was coward. ambivalent and was yeah like was ha- keeping away from politics as a calculated move to keep Republican and fans. And I think she more or less admitted to yeah. that. Um, yeah. She was like, I was told to be good. I was told that good girls keep this. They don't put this into the public. And she didn't want people to hate yeah. her. And they show her doing all of these appearances as a famous 16-year-old where right. she's like, oh, I don't talk about politics. And then everyone like cheers uproariously <laughs> yeah, for her. And, and like David Letterman like high fives her and he's like, good girl, da da da. So it's like she's getting this idea reinforced as we have to remember a 16 year old. Yeah. That it's like, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. And the documentary kind of goes into her decision to come forward in the uh, like in the midterms mm-hmm. and speak out against Marsha Blackburn and speak for the Equality Act. And she even says in it that she regrets not having done it for 2016, which right. I thought was very honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we actually have um, a clip of that. So here she's discussing her decision to speak out about Marsha Blackburn, who is the senator from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, Swift did was not that was not her favorite candidate. And Swift talks about kind of what she opposes. And it's actually like kind of surprisingly emotional. We'll play it. It really is a big deal to me. She votes against against fair pay for women. She votes against the reauthorization of the of the Violence Against Women Act, which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking, stalking. She votes, she thinks that, that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights, and it's right and wrong at this point, and I can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words Tennessee Christian values. Those aren't Tennessee Christian values. I live in Tennessee. I am Christian. That's not what we stand for. I need to do this. I need you to just, I need you to forgive me for doing it because I'm doing it. This scene was so huge too. For those of you who haven't seen, there's basically a part in the documentary where she is with, the support of her mom, who rocks. Yeah. Uh, telling her team and her dad, right? I think her dad. That was the her other, dad. Okay, that's her, it's her dad and like her team at large. There were two kind of like indistingu- indistinguishable, like 50 something white yes. men. And one of them one was of her them father. Is her dad. But they were both suspicious of this idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both basically telling her not to post anything political. And that's sort of her defense. My favorite part of that scene, though, is when her dad is like, you got to think about Bob Hope. You got to think about Bing Crosby. And her mom is like, Bing Crosby. Like Her mom just comes her in and is like, dope. what are you talking yeah. about? Bing Crosby. Like she gives the most mom like eye roll and yeah. like, honey, no. Right. <laughs> Which I just loved so much. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I can't recommend the doc enough. It's really, really great. Yeah. Uh, whether you love or hate Taylor, it's really interesting to see how someone... 
It's it's a really interesting story about someone who gets involved in music really young, grows into themselves as a woman. Yeah, and she also is pretty open about. I mean, I think that of some of this is a little put on. Yeah. I don't buy that everything was entirely spontaneous. I do buy that these are her true feelings, but you can definitely tell from watching it, and it's something that I related to, and you probably did too. Like mm-hmm. she has been doing the work of deprogramming her white feminism, yes. and you know when you like, at, there's a scene at the end where she sort of like says sorry and then apologizes for saying sorry and there are some really relatable parts in it and I definitely left with the impression that she is definitely doing her best yeah she talks about this concept in it that really struck me of like this idea that like people get frozen at the age they became famous oh yeah and I think she was in we saw her in a state of like arrested development a little bit and now she's ready to be she's a year older than me like she's ready to be a 30 year old woman out in this world and I'm excited to see what that looks like yeah I I turned 30 the same year she did and I definitely like I think I didn't know we were both the same age and since then I definitely feel like okay you're my you're my parallel in pop culture yeah that's (laughs) like my mom and Madonna they're the same age so my mom's always like well I'm the same age as Madonna my mom's was Princess Di and she's still upset about it yeah (laughs) still very wounded Should we get into the main news? Let's get into Surprisingly it. Surprisingly enough, it's not Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> if you can believe it, we're still talking about impeachment. Probably going to be talking about impeachment for at least a, another week. Another week. It'll come up again yeah. and again. But this week brings us the three-part finale of impeachment mm-hmm. season three, four, yeah, Whatever. I guess I guess this is the third, is the third season, but there are long breaks between seasons. Yes, yes. And really yeah, long. Right. One took like a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> Nixon's was um was just a special short series. Yeah, that was it a wasn't Christmas part special. of the season. Yeah, yes, right, exactly. right, because it had a different ending. But okay, so where are we at? End of last week, the Senate voted fifty-one to forty-nine to not allow any new witnesses or evidence in the removal trial of Donald Trump. We suspected this is what happened, but as usual, a couple disappointing senators yeah. usually come forward and they're like... Murkowski! Oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. Time. I know, yeah. Murkowski and Alexander voted And against. all the Republicans screwed right. us. All of them, yeah. Like, well, the only ones that voted for witnesses were Republicans Mitt Romney and Susan Collins. But I don't think that I don't still have my eye on you, Susan. <laughs> Everyone on the podcast knows that I have a beef with Susan and don't think that this has changed it. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, and no. there's no way that they would have. Romney probably would have, but she must have known what Murkowski or Collins or Gardner yeah. was thinking and she knew that her vote wouldn't be the one. I'm sure those three, They're I think Romney's independent maybe, but those three definitely, like Murkowski and Lamar Alexander, who also had been hoped to maybe vote in favor of witnesses, yeah, is really close to Murkowski. Murkowski and Collins are close, so I'm sure they were like, "Well, we can't all vote one way, but you know, who who will it help most politically yes. to stand up and say I want witnesses?" They're playing the, all of the like moderates are all playing a little game, yeah. And Susan and Murkowski will now now they're just going to kind of switch which one of them will be the good one for which trial. Right. And then Murkowski and Alexander kind of came out at the same time saying they weren't going to vote for witnesses. So no one took After, the like heat. having like sitting in yeah. a room together for an hour. Yeah. So no one takes the the real heat of being the one who decided. Right. They're yeah. all trying to like spread the blame out among them because they know that their party just voted against having a fair trial. They voted to abdicate their responsibility as a chamber of Congress. It's like it's not shocking, but it's alarming. It is. I mean, and I was happy the next day, the front page of the New York Times, which for better or for worse, do sort of become part of like the historical record. Yes. The, the, the headline on the front page was like Senate Republicans block witnesses and evidence from impeachment trial. You know, not just like 
Senate votes against witnesses. Like, no, it was Senate Republicans who blocked witnesses from a trial. That's yeah. the whole point. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Like nothing is shocking anymore and I feel like we've gotten so we talk about it all the time but so numb to like the degradation of our system but I know we should really not forget how much of an abdication of responsibility this was and how like alarmingly corrupt and insane that decision is. Yeah, it's wild. So Lamar Alexander came out his and, and sort of explained his reasoning because he knew everybody was watching. He, people were hopeful about him also because he's an outgoing senator. He's yeah. retiring. So people thought, you know, maybe he will go down like he'll, he he doesn't actually have as much to lose. But clearly he decided to side with party yeah. over country. And he straight up said, like, oh, I believe it all. Like, I believe that uh, Democrats proved their case. This Trump absolutely did all of this. But he just said. There is no need for more evidence to prove something that has already been proven, and that does not meet the U.S. Constitution's high bar for an impeachable offense. So he's just like, I wasn't going to vote anyway. Doesn't matter what these witnesses say. I believe they're going to say everything you think, but yeah. it doesn't matter to me. That's what it came down to. It was the final sort of argument that they decided on is like, well, we don't need to see new witnesses for something that like we already know what happened. Right. We just don't think it's impeachable. So why would we need to see new witnesses? Right. There's no point. Yeah. And like, do you agree? Like, some I was thinking to myself last week, like, okay, let's say, because at the end of last week, I think there was this, like, shift was like, okay, just a week. Let's have witnesses for a week. What is going to come out in the next week that will change anything? Like, if Bolton had something new, I think we would know by now. Like, I think he would have made, I don't know. I just feel like Nothing, another I, week would have gone by. It confirms everything we already know that's not impeachable. And then they get to spend the rest of their career saying, like, well, I gave them witnesses and it still exonerated him. For me, I guess, like, like I think you're right. I don't think it would have changed the outcome in any way, yeah. shape, or form. We definitely. I think that the American people yeah. had the right to hear what John Bolton had to say. That's where like, I've it's landed, not yeah. just the Senate. And I do think that, like, where, where does this end? Like, I'm, I'm worried about the slippery slope of like just all it's of our true. institutions just falling apart. Right. Like, I think where that's... does this end? And. You know, we're coming up on an election. God willing, we'll have another president at the end. It's like, how do we rebuild it after that? Yeah, it's like there are so many things that like just because things are a foregone conclusion doesn't mean you skip all the steps like yeah. on the way there. Like exactly. I, it, it's alarming. And it also it's like it really puts into perspective like, you know, obviously everyone wants to get Trump out in 2020. That's like that's what my main focus yeah. is. But the Senate What's going on in the Senate is a fucking problem. And Mitch yeah. McConnell is a fucking problem. And the fact that s most senators represent a minority of the country because the way that it's divided up is a problem. And I, I don't know what to do about that other right. than to try to win it back and fix it from the inside out. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I think, like, do we just wait until all these people die? Yeah. And then... Now it's like the generation that actually gives a shit. Yeah. So I, I would know. say like if you're looking at this and you're feeling really defeated, which I definitely am, find a Senate race that means something to you. And if it's in your home state, get out there and start volunteering for that person. If it's in another state, put your money where your mouth yeah. is and donate or call or whatever, because we can't fix anything until we fix what's happening in our Congress. It's crazy. Right. And right. And we have um, a, a piece that Irene wrote that we're still working on editing that has like basically a breakdown of all the Senate races and which ones are important. And like you can sort of like if you live in a state that's super blue, you can kind of like decide like maybe you'll adopt a different state for you can't obviously cannot vote yeah. there, but you can use whatever resources you might have available to, to yeah. you. 
um, to help because if Trump wins in 2020, but somehow we flip the Senate when he does something impeachable again, we can actually, we could actually get him actually out. Remove him if from he would office. leave, but we can technically vote. The Senate can. Yeah. I and mean, the, idea the question is, would he leave? Again, right, right. <laughs> like, that, and that's going to be the question in 2020 as well, is will he, how will he exit the White House? Will he do it willingly? <laughs> will he have to be physically removed? Right, right, yeah. So I'm 50-50 on that. I have no oh, idea. Oh, totally. I, I was listening to um, a podcast, and they were saying that, like, the Obama administration actually had, like, a plan of action in case Trump lost but refused to concede and said that he was going to be president. Like, mm-hmm. they were going to, like, try out, like, Colin Powell was, like, right, like, moderate Republicans yeah. that had been, like, universally respected that maybe would have worked then but definitely I don't think would work now I think that is the most frightening potential outcome that <laughs> right. like none of us are even we we don't even know how to right. conceptualize no, like, of what that nut is in their basement with their rifles is like well if Colin Bell says yeah he's a bad I mean, guy. Yeah, first of all yeah, <laughs> yeah they're not gonna be like okay well it was I did see Colin Bell right, say right. It. <laughs> no. yeah um so Lamar Alexander actually defended his decision against witnesses on meet the press yesterday and I wanted to play this clip because it's very funny. His explanation is just completely defeated. He sort of admits that this is all for political reasons. Um, so let's play the clip. This is on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. What the president should have done was, if he was upset about Joe Biden and his son and what they were doing in Ukraine, he should have called the attorney general and told him that and let the attorney general handle it the way they always handle cases that involve public And why do you think he didn't do that? Maybe he didn't know to do it. I, okay. I, this has been a rationale that I've heard from a lot of Republicans. Well, boy, he's still new to this. Well, a lot of people come to At Washington. what point, though, is he no longer new to this? Well, the, the bottom line is not an excuse. He shouldn't have done it. Uh, and, and, and I said he shouldn't have done it. And now I think it's up to the American people to say, okay, good economy, lower taxes, conservative judges, behavior that I might not like, call to Ukraine, weigh that against Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders and pick a president. Woof. Yeah. I just love that. It's like, well, he probably didn't know to call Bill Barr. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that now it's literally gotten to the point where they're like, but he's an idiot. Right. He doesn't know <laughs> yeah. how to do anything. Yeah. Like, but the oh. economy's like you. He just admitted to putting party over country. Yeah. He just yeah. put it. He put it all out there. I mean, yeah. Murkowski's response. I mean, I, this is how I know they all coordinated because so there was this idea during the trial that. If there were 50-50, if 50 senators voted in favor of witnesses and 50 voted against, even though it needs 51, there was this theory that maybe Chief Justice John Roberts would intervene or something, or they could pass a resolution to have him intervene. It was never exactly really clear. I think there were some sort of legal scholars while writing that this is a possibility if John Roberts wanted to make it one. Before the votes, Roberts said, like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said... um, it's not my I'm not an elected official. I can't make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So if it's a 50 50 tie, um, but still Murkowski, like she sort of defended. She was like, I didn't want to be the vote that got the Supreme Court involved. Like we've already tarnished the presidency. We've tarnished Congress. I don't want to tarnish the Supreme Court, too. It's then all get, then get your friends to vote I, with you. And then it doesn't look like John Roberts is like overseeing this sham trial. If you're really also, so concerned for him. None of them are arguing that what Trump did is OK because right, they've right. lost that argument. She so one straight thing, up said, I don't believe there will be a fair trial. So it's like, Markowski. so I'm going to keep voting to keep it unfair. It's so unfair at this point that it's like, why even vote to make it fair? Yeah, basically. That was my impression. They all got to go. Yeah. All of them got to get voted out. Every single one. Yeah. That's all there is to it. So what's next? It got kind of manic in there. I worked from home Friday, so I got to watch all this. It was fun. (laughs) 
Um, everyone thought maybe the vote to acquit Trump would come that night. But instead, there seemed to be some negotiation between Democrats and Republicans, between Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell about how to proceed in a way that would, you know, each side wants to proceed in a way that benefits them politically. Mm-hmm. We know Republicans wanted this done before Trump's State of the Union, which is tomorrow night. Uh, we also know that Democrats definitely wanted to deprive him of the opportunity to say, on TV, I've been acquitted. I've been acquitted. Yeah. Although he's just going to say, you know, tomorrow I'll be acquitted. Yeah, but he's obviously going to say it still. He's probably still going to say I've been acquitted. For yeah. sure he's going to say that. You're right. Right. <laughs> so we also know the Democrats were probably going to like gun him up with the process. They they have power under the rules to do so, to like propose amendments. So it seems like Wednesday was like an in-between. So Trump will not be able to make that State of the Union. Um, there's closing arguments today. And then all the senators get to make a 10-minute speech about their decision. I do think that's going to benefit Republicans or Democrats more. Like, who do you think wanted that more to be able to explain their vote? Um, I don't know if it benefits one side or the other more. I think it benefits maybe some of these people who are running for president mm. to be able to get a little yeah. moment in there. Because, I mean, it's not going to do them any good before Iowa, but maybe some of these other primaries before New Hampshire, something mm-hmm. to get a big viral moment if their speech really pops off. Totally. I think that that could benefit them. I think, you know, Republicans have just made... They've made a choice of what they're going to do. So I don't know what their speech could possibly. Yeah, yeah it's like, how do you mean? Like, honestly, Murkowski and Lamar Alexander, they sound like cowards in their statements. Yeah. Like, so if they go up, I guess their supporters don't see it that way and say, like, I believe all of this. It's just I want the, the people to decide. Really? Because 75% of Americans wanted more witnesses. 51% Marco want them out Rubio, today. Who? Oh, God. I just want to remind everyone sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marco Rubio released a statement that was like, just because something right. rises to the level of an impeachable offense doesn't mean it's in the in best interest of the country for us to impeach him. Right. So he was like, just so because it's impeachable doesn't mean we should impeach. Right. Get out of here. Get out of here, little Marco. It's wild. It's wild. It's really upsetting. It's really upsetting. Yeah. I felt like the weight that I felt like around when Kavanaugh was confirmed, just the inevitable... Yeah. Like, oh, God, they're really going to do this. This really low, sad feeling. Right. As you're like kind of it's it feels like really futile and helpless and all that stuff. But the best thing that we can all do is just pour all of our energy into this 2020 election and try to flip as many seats as we possibly can in as many elections as we can. Local, state, federal, and then obviously the White House. Right. And you know what? If the House does decide to call John Bolton, I mean, this presidency, like there's new news every day. By the months before November, we're not going to be talk. This isn't going to be as like fresh and animating. Mm-hmm. Everything has happened. But, you know, what if like in if in September they get Bolton yeah. and then suddenly we know all this other shit that's probably similar to what we already knew, but is from the source and maybe a little bit different. Maybe it'll reanimate people and get them angrier again. Yeah. So what's I wouldn't a- rush to have Bolton in there. No. I mean, what's upsetting? I to, to fulfill a duty, but. What's know. upsetting is that. The crux of all of this was an attempt to cheat in this upcoming election and the fact that he's just going to be acquitted and where they're just going to show that he there are no consequences to his actions and that like the Republican Party won't even stand up for the integrity of our elections. It's like what's stopping him from continuing to try to cheat? Like he's obviously going to cheat at this point or do whatever he can around the margins of obviously cheating as he has done in as he did in 2016 and as he has shown he's already trying to do now. So just... Yeah, he loves We're up cheating. That he brags too. about it in his books. Like the, he says, like I was read, right. He, he that's how he would get loans. He finds it to be like a point of pride. Like he doesn't I wonder think if, of it as cheating. If somebody were like, "Man, you're an oligarch," I think he would say, "Thank you." Yeah, I don't think he would be like, "No, I'm not." 
he doesn't think it's cheating. Like, he's like, as long as it's not cheating if you don't get if it's caught for, right. or if you get away with it. It's not even not getting caught. It's just, it's not it's cheating like if, if it's you me. get away. Right. If it's me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We got to it. It's not cheating if it's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, just someone who feels entitled to yeah. everything. I say this every opportunity I can. The day, the July 25th call was the day after Robert Mueller's testimony was kind of meh. And it seemed like that yeah. was the end of that chapter. And then the day after he gets on the phone and tries to cheat in the election again. In the, almost the exact same way. Right. So it's just like we have to be prepared for that too. Like this, it's just, it's crazy that I was tonight and it's also crazy that soon someone's going to have to like run directly against Donald Trump and like we have to be ready for what that is going to be because it's not going to, he has the power of the presidency this time mm-hmm. and he's willing to cheat and he's the worst person this country's ever produced. <laughs> right. So like, it's just a lot of stuff. <laughs> hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options? Feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture. Fear not because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical, too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Speaking of the Iowa caucus. Yes, indeed. I can't believe it. It's time for the election section. I can't believe it's caucus night. I can't. It doesn't feel real. I know. And I can't believe that this is technically the start when it feels like we've been going, like this has been going for so long, but actually nothing has really happened until this point. Right. So let's get into it. Tonight, Iowa Democrats will congregate at about 1,600 locations for the Iowa caucus. For those of you who don't know what the hell a caucus is, so here's how this breaks down. All All of these candidates have spent the last however many months trying to get regular everyday Iowans to agree to caucus (laughs) for them. That is different than agreeing to vote for you. If you get someone to caucus for you, that means you have to get them to leave their house and go to like their local high school gym and participate in this like hours long event. So it's like way harder than just getting someone to also vote for you. Also when there's like fears of a global pandemic. Let's all congregate exactly. in close proximity. That's also true. Yes, they're going to brave the coronavirus, yeah. brave the Iowa cold, and they have to like show up at this location. Once you get there, there are precinct captains for every single candidate. They'll literally be standing in a location in this gym. So like yeah. back corner is a girl with an Elizabeth Warren sign, like back like right corner is Bernie Yang everyone everyone will be there you people show up 
they once it's time to start caucusing, they physically go stand in the corner of the person who they would like to vote for their first choice. Once all of those people are counted, those with 15 percent support of the room. So they have to hit at least 15 percent support are considered viable and they get to stay in the race. Those without 15 percent are kicked out and then their people are allowed to like run around and yeah. add themselves to their second choice yeah. candidate. And you can like people can talk to each other, right? Like, you can, yeah, you can like they can. Th- there's like talking in between and like like the precinct captain for Elizabeth Warren will be like making a pitch for Elizabeth Warren. The Bernie precinct captain will be pitching for Bernie Pete. Like everyone will be there trying to get everyone to choose them as their second. They're like second choice candidate, which is why being someone's second choice in Iowa is like very, very important. Um, Then after that, everything is counted up and delegates are awarded based on how many like, like whatever, how much you got. So obviously the person who wins the most gets the most delegates. Yeah. Though there is, there can potentially be a discrepancy between how many delegates you get and who gets the actual popular vote. Why this happens, I don't know. But sometimes the person who gets all the most delegates and technically quote unquote wins Iowa is not the person who gets Well, I think because it's like, like, let's imagine a scenario where like, like you were saying, like the second choice matters so much because say like Bernie Sanders is the most people's first choice. Yeah. He might not necessarily have the most people standing in his corner at the end of the night because like if all because of if everyone... and Yang's people, if they don't make it and then they all Warren is their second choice or Biden is their second choice, like it could end the night. That's yes. why I think that Bernie could claim victory. I think several candidates could claim victory tonight. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, right now, based on the polls, Bernie and Biden are in like a statistical tie, but everyone's so close that really anything could happen. It's really who is the most people's second choice. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that's a really good number for Elizabeth Warren. Pete as well could come out of that. Bernie's campaign has been working on turning out a lot of new voters and a lot of specifically like Latino voters. So if there's a large number of people that aren't being called for these polls who show up for Bernie, he could end up, you know, he could like run away with it that way. If a bunch of people after things shake up are like, you know what? I just want to go with the most, with the person I know the tried and true most elected person, Joe Biden could run away. Like it's really, totally. It's really anybody's game. Yeah. Which is crazy. I know. It's it's, it's kind of exciting. It's fun. Because like normally, I don't know. I guess by Iowa, we don't, we don't always know who's going to win. Iowa is sort of famous for like propping up candidates and showing like, yes, we Americans will elect this person. It yeah. sort of is what gave Obama the momentum he needed. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, a 90% white state in the middle of the country will elect a black president. Cool. Yeah. Well, we all like him too. So let's choose him, you know? Yeah. It's like. Once once Iowa's done, it doesn't mean that like the person who wins Iowa is gonna you know immediately they're the nominee. But I do think that whichever of these like top tier people we're talking about, you know, Pete, Liz, Bernie, and Biden, Klobuchar a little bit, but yeah, like you know, I don't think she'll meet fifteen percent. Yeah, it would be tough. Yeah. Who knows? But if she had a good showing, it would be really good for a campaign. Yeah, oh, of course. Right, I right. think whoever of those four, if someone does like really bad, I think that means more yeah, than point. winning. Necessarily. Yeah, like if Pete, if Mayor Pete has a bad night, 
it's not good for him. Yeah, or if, I think the worst out my potentially I think the worst outcome for any campaign is Joe Biden coming in like a really low force. Right. I think that oh would God. make him look really 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 bad. Yeah. Whereas I think other campaigns could get, come back from that a little bit more and then I think the win Whoever wins, it's obviously going to be huge. Yeah. But if someone surprising gets in second, that could be bigger for their campaign than if Bernie, who's the front runner, wins. Like he might not get as big of a bump from winning as someone who, like, right. if Mayor Pete came out of nowhere and came in second, like he could get a huge momentum boost totally. from that. So yeah, it's really like sense. it could shake out in so many different ways. It's really interesting. Yeah. I saw this morning that Joe Biden said to Savannah Guthrie, You don't know what you're talking about, which I don't think helps him anywhere. No. No. no, I mean, it's not great. It's not great. It's, it's certainly pr- not pretty great. Joe, but Republicans, believe it or not, are also caucusing. <laughs> um, Trump has two it's challengers there. That. Joe Walsh, who's kind of the most well-known one. He's a former congressman um, from Illinois and a conservative talk radio host. Also running is Bill Weld, a former governor of Massachusetts. Um Talking about the race this week, Joe Walsh said, my party is a cult. He has been very outspoken. The RNC has basically... Put no effort into any sort of election. I yeah. guess you would, like they—they really—they haven't put propped up any, shown any interest in having any sort of race or any challenger to Trump. Yeah, um, which I don't think is like super abnormal. I think normally there's a little bit more support. It's not as openly antagonistic. Yeah, um, I mean the idea that the RNC would ever like allow a real challenger to Trump right. to even be in like have anything is hilarious they already have denied uh access to voter data at like to joe walsh's campaign and uh threatens to blacklist people who donate to him so yeah i mean we know how they feel about the democratic process right even walsh's name like some states won't put his name on the ballot which seems like it outrage (laughs) i mean the idea that trump would be successfully primaried from the right has always been really far-fetched in general just not only because who is like like the, you would have to find a Trumpier Trump. That's true. To yeah. primary Trump, <laughs> like only only a Trump could primary. Like maybe Don right. Jr. could primary Trump, like right. <laughs> or something like that. But it's yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't find it. And then also like the RNC is just never gonna yeah. allow that. Yeah, they have honestly, have- I think it's fine. This guy isn't getting that much attention. He was asked, so he's no hero. Like no. I'm interested in how he's being iced out, but he's not a hero. He's very conservative. He once insisted Obama was a Muslim. Uh, he apologized about that after the 2016 election, but. Um, I was reading that he was questioned about that by a voter in Iowa over the weekend. He said, um, I think we're all a little bit racist, period. Yeah. It's just a crazy statement because, number one, it's incorrect. And number two, it's not actually an insult. Like, I feel like there was this time period. There's always that clip of, like, John McCain shutting down a lady who's like, I think Obama's a Muslim. And everyone's like, oh, he said no. Like, that's great. Yeah. And And I do get where John McCain was coming from in that moment. But, like. I do think we should also remember that just den- announcing that someone is Muslim is not, it shouldn't be right. an insult. Yeah, <laughs> true. Just could just be a fact yeah. about a person. Yeah. Like, not bad, not good. A neutral fact yeah. about an individual. Oh, man. I was, I was thinking about John McCain last week. Like, what do you, how things could be different if he were around? I mean, he definitely would have voted for witnesses. For sure, for I'll sure. say that yeah. for fucking sure, sure. But I don't know if he could have dragged others along. Maybe he could. Maybe if he was there, he would have been able to influence like one other person. Yeah. Um, who knows? 
But yeah, that is unfortunate because I do I do believe strongly that he would have voted for witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole reason he why not <laughs> the whole reason he voted down the skinny repeal of Obamacare was because he was like the way you're doing this is wrong. Like right. the process, like this is not how things are done. Yeah. So he like stood for something actually, which yeah. is TBT to that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh. uh, Kind of related election news, there's going to be a debate on Friday, and this has been making a lot of news, not just because it'll be the first debate after Iowa, but because the DNC has changed some of its qualification rules in such a way that it will now allow Mike Bloomberg to take the stage. He'll be allowed for the one after New Hampshire. For the one after New Hampshire. Yes. So not this upcoming not one. Not this upcoming one. My this bad. upcoming one is Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, Warren, and Yang. Oh, well, I'm glad Andrew Yang is Me back. Too. Me too. That's good. I hope he does well tonight. Um, Yeah, I feel like he could have a really good little moment. Yeah. Well, especially because if a candidate doesn't get 15%, if you and all your friends on the low polling candidate side, if you all decide you want to rally behind another one and push them through, they can also do that. Yes. And I also feel like... The Yang Gang is convincing, um, like tiny but mighty. Yeah, and I feel like if you're a Andrew Yang person, you are showing up to caucus. Absolutely. You know, whereas like maybe someone who's a like a Biden person is like, yeah, I support Biden, but then it gets cold, and you're like, oh, I'm going to stay right. home. Or I don't like really- you have it definitely is biased towards people that work a day shift. Yes, not plenty of people that work. At yeah. night that can't go or But I feel like Andrew paid. Yang's people are, Will be like I am showing up To yeah. caucus <laughs> I'm standing there I'm doing it Yeah so. for sure For sure Yeah Um. So debate after that After the New Hampshire debate Mike Bloomberg Will be allowed to participate This has been getting A lot of news Because It's like Basically the rules Have been changed That now allow this Another billionaire. random billionaire <laughs> To enter the race Kind of in the middle Whereas Several Candidates of color that were legitimate candidates were like the rules Not weren't changed yeah. until after they were all knocked out of the race. Right. But now that they're knocked out, we're going to change the rules so that two random billionaires can join the race. Yeah. Yes. And it's also it's there after New Hampshire, the, the polling threshold is also doubled. So right now for that debate, Bloomberg isn't qualified yet. Mm-hmm. Right now, Warren, Biden and Bernie are. But yeah, but he wasn't able to participate because you have to have a certain number of uh, independent donors or single do- individual mm-hmm. donors. And he is financing his entire campaign. So he's not accepting donations. So that's why he couldn't qualify. qualify. But the DNC changed that where they, they doubled the polling and they eliminated uh, that donor requirement. And they're basically saying like, now that people are actually casting votes, uh, the criteria isn't going to have a donor threshold, which doesn't really make sense to me. It, it sounds like you all you said was we're not going to have a donor threshold when you were urged to change polling stuff. Because yeah. I think that they did this for Michael Bloomberg. Yes, because what was keeping the what kept like Castro and Booker and Kamala and people from qualifying were these polling thresholds. So they're not going to change that. They're doubling it. They're they're doubling that, but they're going to remove the this individual donor thing that like specifically only helps him. Right. And the only reason Bloomberg is polling well and he is he's polling impressively mm-hmm. well. No, for, for when he came into the race is because it's all about name recognition. Yeah. He's putting his face in front of everybody everywhere. Well, a lot of people aren't as much. He's also got ads, like TV ads. Right. He's putting mad TV and ads. When you I recognize, yeah, when you see somebody, a name that you recognize, you, you're you more inclined. That's why Biden's doing so well yeah. to pick them. So that's why, like, I don't think it's a good reflection of his support to just look at polling. I think the donors are pretty key. Like, you can know, you can be really tuned out and then somebody says, like, oh, Bloomberg. And you could be like, I think I like him because I know who he is. 
But that's completely different from deciding to give him your money. Yeah, and like, why are we changing the rules so that more people can enter the race now? Right. Why? It's closed. It's done. We're good. It's Iowa. We're right. at Iowa. It's right. done. Yeah. Like, stop. So anyway, I think that's dumb. <laughs> I agree. It's just such a slap in the face. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a slap in the face to like Kamala and Cory Booker and Julian yeah. Castro and those candidates. Yeah. It just sucks. Okay. Should we get into one more thing? Yeah. One more thing for today is don't be fucking racist when talking about the coronavirus. Please. Apparently, we need to talk about this. Yes. Not with you guys, hopefully. Yeah, I know you guys are good. You guys are fine. But, but other people being racist. Real racist. So the coronavirus, it's now approaching a pandemic. It's killed 360 people in China. That's more than SARS. Um, it's an infected over 17,000 people worldwide. Um, Trump has barred entry to most foreigners who visited China in the past two weeks, which is sort of a controversial mood move. And so the fact that the virus originated in China has spurred a lot of xenophobia and anti-Chinese attacks just throughout the world in yeah. the U.S. too. The most intense one that sort of made the rounds was that there were reports that a man died in Chinatown in Australia because bystanders refused to give him CPR. And apparently the story hasn't been confirmed, but the police had told some outlets that people said they were nervous to give this man mouth to mouth. And he died. He's 60 years old and he died. Yeah. And then there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of just like Asian American people trying to live their life and everyone's yeah. staring at them, being right. rude, moving away from them on the subway. Yeah. So a lot of this I'm going to talk about is pulled from America in Los Angeles Times. So Asian Americans said that people would move away from them on the subway in public places if they just cough or are there. Students are getting bullied by their classmates who are cornering them and like basically assaulting them, trying to test them. Uh, to see if they have it. Gay agents are making terrible comments to people. Um, there's false health information telling people to avoid Asian food and just like those terrible stereotypes when it comes to Asian food and culture. Um, last week, UC Berkeley, which is the biggest public school in the country, I'm pretty sure, or at least California, they listed xenophobia toward Asian people as a normal reaction to uh, to managing your fears about Okay. About coronavirus. Cool. This, UC Berkeley said xenophobia, fears about interacting with those who might be from Asia and guilt about those feelings. That's In a California, reaction. where there's like How a fucking huge Asian population. 40% of Berkeley's freshman class last year was Asian. It's They took it down. I mean, first of all, there's, there's so much that's wrong about number one. Asia is a continent made of many different yeah. countries, and you can't just stare at an Asian person and decide they're Chinese. Right. So number two, if you do know they're Chinese, that doesn't mean that they have coronavirus. <laughs> a disease can... It spreads from human to human. The only thing that makes you someone who's more or less susceptible to the coronavirus is that you are a human person. Mm -hmm. uh, if it had erupted here in the U.S., we would have it here. It erupted in China, so they have it there. Like, that's... Or that's the epicenter yeah. of it. There's no, like... No one is carrying it or more susceptible to getting right. it. It's a geographic area on the planet, not yes. not on account of national origin or or anything like that. And yeah. Students at UC Santa Barbara made a petition to close the school down because they were so worried because they have so many students from Asian descent. And also, like, this is bad and it's scary what's mm -hmm. happening. The flu has killed 10,000 people in this country since October. 10,000 people. Yeah. If you want to avoid people so that you don't get sick, don't go near kids. Yeah. Don't live in a big city. Like, don't live your life. Like, we should be, if, if you're really that worried about avoiding getting sick, uh, moving away from somebody you think has been to China, for whatever reason you think that, is not how you're not going to get sick. So it's like, right? I don't know about that much about pandemics, but I know that 10,000 people have died about, from the flu and 360 have died from coronavirus. And also, like, 
if I get coronavirus, I'm a pretty healthy person. I have access to great medical care. I'm going to be fine. So if you have like a friend who's being a racist asshole and is like, what I heard today, somebody's too scared to go get their nails done because they don't want to go to their Korean nail place. It's just like, <laughs> which is also like, shut what? it down. Tell them that they're being racist yeah. and that they should that ask down. them if they got a flu shot and try to correct people yes. about this because it's. This is probably something that's going to be ambient for at least a little while longer. So we need to nip this in the bud. You know what's an interesting thing that I heard? Um, That China is actually uniquely positioned to deal with pandemics and outbreaks because that's one of the benefits of an authoritarian sort of top-down system. Yeah, they can make people do things. Is that they can actually be like, we're shutting down the trains. Yeah. Or they can, because in a lot of other countries, there have been issues let's see if, you know, if there was a breakout in the United States, people can, businesses can hoard the masks and jack up the prices of masks and Mm -hmm. like, or whatever other cures there are. But in China, they've already been like, you have to make the masks available. Everyone has to have the masks. And they can just like kind of distribute and mobilize these like policies top down. Don't talk about it on social media. Oh, well, how convenient. We don't let you have social media. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not advocating for an authoritarian right. government, but it's interesting to see how they are uniquely positioned. You can also to, tell your racist friends that. Yeah, exactly. Be like, actually, <laughs> China is maybe one of the better places yeah. for remember, something like this to happen. Remember, because Remember when you went on Amazon and they wouldn't give you masks until April? Yeah, well, because, well China's giving everybody yeah, the masks. Right. So tell your racist friends to stop, to stop, to stop. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, guys, remember to rate and review and subscribe Helps to our newsletter at Betches.co slash SupPod. Uh, we can't wait to be back on Thursday with an episode that will be 24 hours long. I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Amanda Juberman. This is the Betches Sup Podcast. This episode of the Betches Sup podcast was hosted by Amanda Duberman and Elise Morales. The Sup was created by Sammy Fishbein. The podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Make sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Betches.